Closet Conversations. Finally, we are within the closet. It took time because of connection issues. Uh, Zoom was not playing nice with us. Our internet is not playing nice. Um, yeah, a lot of things are just not playing nice. Not fair, not fair. But we are in, and that's what counts. And let's make it this time most profitable to all of us. We are talking access and pleasure, and our guest is Nicole Detroit, who is a sex coach, an educator, and a counsellor, and is based in Cape Town. Nicole, thank you for joining us once again. Good evening. Thank you for having me again. Great to be here. Technical difficulties and all. Yeah, technical difficulties, and I'm hoping uh, we won't have issues with our line because I really want to have this conversation with you. Let us talk <laughs> about kink culture. What is it? How did it come about? And who are the likely participants of kink culture? Oh, wow. Launching in the deep end. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... Kink culture has been around pretty much as long as sex has been around. And it covers such a broad spectrum of things. You can consider kink pretty much anything that someone else might find out of the norm. Um, And then, you know, so depending on who you are, kink takes on different levels. For some people, they might think that, you know, incorporating food into their sexy time is really kinky and for other people that's just normal for them they don't see that as as kink so it's quite broad but the default setting on kink is usually that world of BDSM that people speak about a lot and it stands for bondage discipline um, <laughs> my brain's not working <laughs> I would help you if I knew what it stood for or what it was or if I've ever participated in it it's bonded discipline, submission um, and some some say masochism but it's a bit different so there's, there's a lot of nuances to it um, it can be pretty hardcore so that's what a lot of people usually think of they think of that like really you know whips chains dark dungeon people being beaten kind of thing but a lot of it is also more soft and and relies a lot more on the psychological part of things and that's where the idea of discipline instead of domination comes into place or those kinds of things and submission. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, continue. I, w- I wanted to go back to kink, right? Because BDSM mm-hmm. obviously is part of kink, as you have said. But you're saying anything is kink culture, but there are those who take it like a step further. And not only the mm-hmm. BDSM, there's, there's things that I've heard people are doing that I think, wow. That's a bit too kinky for my liking, but others are saying, yeah, I want to try it. So when it comes to kink mm-hmm. culture, right, does it, does it speak to who we are psychologically? Uh, it can do, yes. And it also speaks to where we're at in life because one can find and it comes up quite a lot within kink culture, actually. That's something that 
really worked for you in one phase in your life doesn't work in another um, because we change and we grow as people as we move through our lives. So some people, and you see this a lot because things like orgies and swinging and um, wife swapping or partner swapping, those kind of things also fall under that kink culture banner. What we often see is that um, a couple may dabble in it for a little in the lifestyle, that's what it's termed, when, um, that swinging lifestyle, and then pull away from it for a bit and then they go back into it. Usually you find people um, from their mid-40s, that's usually, that's usually the time when they're getting more involved in it. And then forward they find, okay, we're not really into this anymore. We've, we've outgrown it. And they go back into a very normal, standard, monogamous setup. So, kink culture, it does reflect where we are psychologically and also just different things come up for us at different times in life. Mm. Okay, so it doesn't mean if you get into the kink culture, it's something that you're going to always have to abide by. Um, you can lose interest or take a break from it. it. It's not a culture that you need to follow consistently. Exactly. And I think it's one of the things that I really appreciate about people who are in culture is that there's a definite understanding that you, there's something that you were into 10 minutes ago you may not be into now. And the culture, the concept of consent is very well enmeshed into the culture and the discussions around consent are so fluid and the boundaries are set so firmly in whatever activity is going on so from an outsider's perspective, we think, wow, you know, these people are in this, you know, doing these super kinky things are just wild and there's like no rules or anything going on. But actually, when you look into it, everything mm. it, and it might look free and wild, but in place and not Right. Of so, Nicole, our line is not too good. Our line is not good at all. I'm, I'm, I've lost most of the things you said. I'm going to take you back to Ben and let's try to get a better line. I wanted to know more okay. about king culture, man. And we are going to know more about it. And and we'll also get into the, 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 the chat around fantasies and the role of fantasy in our bedrooms. This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenter. Closet Conversations. We try it one more time. Hopefully technology will play friendly and not be kinky on us. Uh, Nicole, are you there? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can Finger hear you crossed. laughing. <laughs> Nicole? Yes, can All you right. hear me? I can hear you. Okay, so you are explaining kink culture to us, right? And the fact that it's not something that is rigid, it's something that you can, you know, you get into it and you are not forced to stay in it. But there's something you were talking about around the swinging. Explain this to us, please. <laughs> yes, so I was saying that like thing, 
things like swinging and um, orgies and sex parties, those kind of things, they fall under the banner of sex culture. Oh, of sex culture, my goodness, of kink <laughs> culture. And, um, and that some people, you know, they get into it in, you know, as an experiment and then they leave and then they re-enter it usually in their late 40s um, for a, a longer stretch and then they return again to, a sta- you know, what we understand as a standard monogamous setup in their relationship. And um, within sort of the kink community, there's never any judgment around these things because as a community and within kink culture, there is a deep understanding that people are always changing and that what works, what, you know, 10 minutes ago may not work for you right now. And it's also why consent is such a strong emphasis within kink culture that, you know, while it looks very wild and, you know, just off the wall, everything that happens within kink culture is very well thought out and negotiated ahead of time. And there's a lot of communication that's happening um, in the moment between people who are involved in whatever that it is that they're involved in. And I think that's something that, you know, those of us who are more vanilla can really learn from with kink culture is that ability to communicate and to listen to what our partner wants and to not be offended if our partner says like, well, I'm not really into that right now, even though I liked it Mm. earlier. You know, it's not about us. It's about them and helping them have a good experience. So, yeah. You know, when you talk about it's not about us, it's about them. um, Some people... I don't know, and I find it mainly women in conversation when I just talk with ladies. Some women mm-hmm. make sex about the man. It's never mm. about the woman. I'm talking about people in um, heterosexual relationships, right? It's probably yeah. different in homosexual relationships, but in heterosexual relationships, you will find the woman saying, I don't really like sex. I don't even, you know, I, I, I don't want to hear about kink. I don't want to hear about porn. I don't want to fantasize about anything. Actually, I'd yeah. rather just sleep, um, I look after the kids and all that. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's about him. So when I'm having sex, I just want him to get over and done with it. What does it speak to? Why do we have a lot of women experiencing sex on behalf of the man and not because they also want to have good sex and give good sex? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll start with clarifying on the, you know, not about us, it's about the other person. That is when we're feeling a bit rejected with something that we've tried and they've said it's not nice. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, in that, in those instances, we don't, we mustn't take those things personally because, you know, they just don't like it. It's not about you in that moment. But when it comes to pleasure, then it is all about us. And it's something that I do speak to, particularly my female clients about a lot with, and, you know, us, if I say this phrase once a day, I say it a thousand times. It's we are responsible for our own pleasure. So a lot of women, we don't, we aren't encouraged to speak about sex within culture to start mm. with. Um, and then a lot of the advice that we're getting is really bad. And, 
you might be told, well, the first time you have sex is going to be terrible. And that's just the way it is. You know, it'll get better from there, which is just such bad advice because the first time people have sex, it doesn't need to be bad. It can be amazing. It, you know, it can be this absolutely mind-blowing experience. But we're told, no, it's going to be painful. It's going to be uncomfortable. So we don't ever learn what we need to enjoy it and to make it okay for us. Mm, mm. Um, so that's one of those starting points. And, you know, we spoke about it last week, actually, in that learning your body, understanding how, what you like and those things. And for our men as well, they're also pleasure isn't part of our sex education, if we get any. Um, you know, we, most of us learned about sex from watching porn. And if you're using that dynamic, then a woman is never going to enjoy sex. Like, she's just not because it's the way porn is structured. It's designed for men um, and the things that they need from sex and encounters a lot of the time. Mm. So for a woman to, to really be able to enjoy sex, it comes back to getting an understanding of what they really think about sex and themselves as sexual beings. And this is a lot of the work that I do because we're coming from a very conservative culture. Women aren't encouraged to be sexual. To be sexual is to be a slut and to have various other names thrown at you. Um, And that doesn't even mean that you are necessarily sleeping with a lot of people. It's just if you embrace that aspect of yourself and then we get into relationships and suddenly within that relationship, we're supposed to be these super sexual beings, but no one tells our bodies that. So our bodies still function on this level of shut it all down, hide it. We don't want to know about this. It's that like lady in the streets, freak in the sheets, but no one explains to our body how to actually be that freak because our whole lives were told don't everything that is sexual about you hide it it's bad so then you're suddenly in these environments where you're supposed to engage with it and we don't know how and that takes kind of a lot of understanding of why we think the way we think about these things for a lot of women experiencing pleasure is actually really difficult for them because it comes with a lot of cognitive dissonance where they they like the feeling, but at the back of their mind, they're also thinking that this makes them dirty somehow, even though logically they know it doesn't. So basically, we have voice. Been, yeah. That's the thing. If you enjoy this, you're bad. So basically, we've been socialized to not wanting sex uh, as as women to finding sex dirty and and you know something undesirable. But then in our later life we are expected to be goddesses in bed hmm. so so how can we change the way we are socializing girl children now how can we liberate yeah. them it starts with speaking about it you know speak about sex particularly to the younger generation it's not something the more we try and hide a thing the more taboo it becomes and the more um it's almost the more twisted it becomes because then people learn from all of these sources that are showing things that are not real. Um, And just 
simple things like using the word vulva in a normal sentence. Um, you know, people know what a penis looks like. Anyone can draw one of those. How many people can draw a vulva correctly? Those kind of things. Bringing this, these parts of ourselves that we're almost taught are shameful to the surface. Mm. And, you know, being okay with it. It's just a body part. Same as fingernails. You know, you can talk about it. It's okay. Um, you know, maybe not around the dinner table with your grandparents, but you get the... <laughs> You get the gist of it. Like, it's not an evil thing. It's not something that's like, you know, it's under there and we don't speak about down there. No, call it what it is. Use the, you know, use the scientific terms. It's fine. And just being more open about the fact that women can want sex. It doesn't mean that they're bad people. And being realistic about what sex is like. I think one of the big things, particularly for the younger generation, for those <clears throat> who, you know, have, you know, sort of preteen and teenage daughters or sons, being able to have the conversations around with them around things like porn literacy, being able to explain to them that it's not real. It's like watching, I often have to tell clients, it's the same as when you watch an action movie and you see those action sequences and they look super cool. Like the cars are exploding and flying through the air and somehow the hero steps out with just a sexy scrape across the eyebrow and, you know, saunters off into the sunset. It's the same with porn. It's an action sequence. There's nothing realistic about it mm, at all. Mm. And sometimes it takes that analogy to actually be like, guys, it's a movie. They spent three days filming these 10 minutes that you are seeing. There's, you know, it's not as fluid as you think it is. She's not actually enjoying herself. And then also asking the questions around, like, is it, is what you may be watching ethical? Do, do the people look drugged? Do they look like they're actually enjoying it? Did you pay for it? Because if it, you know, if it's ethical, surely the actors should be paid. You pay for the rest of the stuff you watch on TV. So those kind of conversations need to be had and we're not having them. And I think that's a, a big flaw in the system because if we can just start the conversations, even if they're awkward and we can admit where we don't know stuff, it's fine. You know, we don't, no one knows everything. I was at a, conference this weekend um a sexual health conference and i was like wow my brain is overloaded because i learned so much and being very aware that you know we are all we were all sexual health people there but no one of us knows everything and so it's fine to say i don't know but just have the conversation to start with have the conversation with your children. I think that's where we have to go to. But for adults who are already there, how do we how do we work around our own body mm. images and lack of uh, wanting to give our partners, um, you know, a pleasurable experience of ourselves and give ourselves a pleasurable experience with yeah. our partners? How how do we do that? Because even before we get into talking about fantasy, one needs to change the mindset. Yeah. So it comes to, you know, you may find that you need to work with 
um, a sex coach or a therapist, if you if you're finding you just cannot change your mindset around this, like you are struggling, then by all means, like you deserve it. Work with the professional who can help you, you know, give you the tools that you need for your specific situation and your specific background to help you move forward in those steps. Because you never know, you may also, you may find that you might have a, a mild medical thing, like maybe you're not lubricating enough, you know, you're not getting lubricated enough or there's so many things. Um, but also expose yourself. Something I encourage my clients to do is expose yourself to positive images are around sexuality. So people who are like, there's that whole body positivity movement. You can start there to just help yourself feel better about yourself. If you're struggling with body image and, you know, find those Instagram accounts. There are thousands of them with people who, you know, find someone who looks like you, who is just owning it. Um, my favorite person at the moment is Lizzo because she's just, she's amazing. She's killing it. Mm. Um, and then you can move forward into finding sticking in the Instagram theme. Um, you can find accounts like the Volva gallery, which is very non-offensive, um, little watercolor and pencil images of different vulvas and seeing yourself reflected in someone else's artwork makes a big difference because again we are how many different types of vulva have we seen in our lives you know a lot of women haven't even seen their own one because they're too nervous to you know hold a mirror down and actually have a look at what they like at the, what they look like um and if you don't watch porn where would you see what what a vulva looks like how do you know you know so find those places on you know like the vulva gallery something really it's innocent it's sweet she's got you know like handbags and enamel pins with these things on so they're very non-offensive um and you can start there and again find an image that looks like you and just familiarize yourself with it let it become something normal to see Learn what the clitoris looks like. I promise you it doesn't look the way you think it does. <laughs> Those kind of things. <laughs> and, and so you, you start to build that in. And then it does, we do start to edge into that realm of fantasy. And it starts small. You know, you don't have to start with a whole scenario that you are fantasizing about. But start to train your mind to think sexy thoughts. And you do that by starting one small thought at a time. And that can be, you know, for, for those heterosexual couples, for most women, when you feel a man's hand like run down your back and just hold you in the small of your back as they lead you through a door, it feels amazing. So, you know, if you just think of oh, what are the sensations I like feeling and then just think about what that feels like, that's fantasy. That's all you need to do. And it mm. starts there. It starts with what do you know, what feels good? What that feeling of a bubble bath. How does that feel when I sit back and just oh, imagine and then you know feeling the different sensations of the water versus the bubbles? And slowly but surely, as you practice doing that, 
you will find that your your mind naturally takes you further and further into sexy scenarios and whether the person in your scenario is it's just you whether it's your actual partner it's a celebrity it's some nameless faceless thing it doesn't matter it's just imagination you're playing make-believe and it's okay and it's okay because you are going to feel good um, and you are going to enjoy yourself and you're going to enjoy your partner as well exactly and so yeah go ahead yeah no that was it i was going to rabbit trail <laughs> let me stay on track um okay so it is important to to play fantasy right um mm-hmm. and i think it's something that we need to get used to it's not dirty it's not you know a lot of people find it as dirty and as bad because they uh, some will say oh but maybe you're fantasizing about another woman when you're with me or another man when you're with me uh, and then they call that uh, what cheating infidelity mm-hmm. in the mind so how do we get our partners to understand that fantasy is okay and acceptable yeah so this is one of those things where partners do need to talk with each other about these things um you know some part some couples i know it's a, a rule of theirs that they don't masturbate apart from each other now that works for some for other couples that dynamic just won't work because of the last you know they might not be in the same space all the time um so having the have discussions around okay so if i'm you know by myself and i'm touching myself would you mind if i consciously you know draw up a fantasy that involves someone else you can start there because some people are like a little bit freaked out by it but then when they put it in themselves in that space they realize oh actually no it doesn't mean anything and they may just say look it can be a celebrity you're fantasizing about but don't make it like the next door neighbor because that's a little too close to home <laughs> um but you know so it depends on the couples and they don't have to be specific with each other around who they're fantasizing about you know generally if they have like a specific person that you but for most people it's just some random blob um or it's their spouse or their partner in if you find that you start fantasizing while you're in bed with your partner like that thought pops in and you just suddenly imagine that Denzel Washington is you know the person that you're with instead of you know i don't know whoever your, your partner, partner. <laughs> yeah um the thing is not to judge yourself for that because it's just a thought we thoughts come into our head all the time um and most of them don't make any sense a lot of people suddenly attach meaning to it and they're like oh, why am i thinking of this person is it because i'm not happy with my partner no it's just a thought and you can choose to latch onto it and like allow that fantasy to build or you can be like hmm that was interesting and you let it go uh it's hard for us to undo that programming of judging ourselves for these thoughts that randomly pop 
in our heads. And that's where techniques like meditation and mindfulness are really helpful because a lot of the focus of those is explaining and practicing that idea that thoughts come and go and not to hold, you know, not to judge them. It's just a thought. It's not a real thing. You're not actually cheating. It's just something that popped into your head. If, you know, you're with your partner and you suddenly think, I wonder if we should paint the ceiling blue. It doesn't mean you're cheating on your partner with your ceiling. It's just a thought. Uh And try and remember that, you know, those associations are the same. In those moments, our minds do wonder sometimes. And that's okay. It's just like, okay, my mind wondered. I can bring it back to this moment. And if you do get to a point where you're comfortable, where you know if you're with your partner and let's use our good man Denzel, pops into your head again and suddenly you're like, ooh, I suddenly feel a bit more turned on and you want to roll with that, that's fine. You can roll with that. You're not cheating. It's a thought. Um and, you know, you can even tell your partner, so, you know, in my mind, you were Denzel tonight. And you never know, they may be flattered by it because they've realized you think they look like Denzel or, you know, they did something that, you you know, you liked. It's not that you were trying to replace them. You just added something. And for most people, it's not even a person that they're fantasizing about. It'll just be a change in the scenery. So instead of being in the bedroom with the door locked so that the kids can't come pound, you know, bouncing in, you're imagining that you are out in a forest in underneath a waterfall. That can work. If that's, you know, helps you get off, go for it. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as you and your partner are happy in the bedroom. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, More discussions are going to be had. Uh, It's unfortunate that our time was eaten up because of uh, technical difficulties. But one thing I know for certain, Nicole, I've enjoyed this discussion. I am so glad. I feel like I did a lot of random talking, but hopefully (laughs) something good came up. Trust me, I've been taking down notes and I'm sure A-teamers are doing the same. Um, how, do awesome. you, how do our A-teamers get in touch with you? Uh, I mean, you're a sex, a sex coach after all, so we need all the help you can give us. Um, all, all of my socials, if, you know, Instagram, TikTok, I'm not really on it, but I have an account, um, Facebook, all of those are sexually underscore well. So sexually well. And then my website is NicoleDutoySexEd.com. That's got all all the info. Thank you so very much, Nicole. What a great pleasure having you again this evening. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, hopefully we chat again. (laughs) Most definitely. Hey, (laughs) Timers. Well, it's uh, two minutes after midnight. It's time for us to go home. Uh, But we'll be back uh, for, uh, what, the Thursday edition a bit later on. So make sure that uh, you are tuned in 10 to midnight. May goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation.